Welcome back to For the Elevate, a lifestyle podcast about life and lessons learned while inspiring you to do things just for the hell of it. I'm your host, Ellie Topinka. For this episode, I will be talking with my friend, Caitlin. We talk about her and her husband's journey to creating a family, as well as discussing how she also helped someone else start their family. It is such a good story. But I do want to give a bit of a trigger warning. We will be discussing infertility and pregnancy loss. If you are in a place where it would be painful or hard to listen to stories surrounding those topics, I urge you to guard your heart and encourage you to pass on this episode. With that being said, I do think this is a story of hope and Caitlin brings such a positive and has such an uplifting point of view and I can't wait for you to hear it. All right, let's get to it. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks for being on the show. Hi. I am so excited to talk to you. It's funny because I told I talked to you about this, like doing the podcast in like, when was that? August, July? Yeah, like summer. Yeah, long time ago. And we are now in March and I'm just now starting. And you're technically my first person that I'm interviewing. So thank you for doing Yay! this. I'm so excited. Um, and I think one of the reasons that I thought of you originally um, especially after talking to you a little bit more this past summer was that you are, you know, an everyday person, but you've done something that's not every day that most yeah. people have not done, which we will get into. Um, but first, if you just want to introduce yourself and share a little bit about yourself personally and your family and anything you want to share. Sure. Um, so I'm Caitlin and I know Ellie from college, but, um, I am married and I have boy girl twins and they're my IVF babies. So I guess, do you want to start with that? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit. So I know um, you struggled to get pregnant. Um, and so if you kind of want to talk about your infertility story a little bit and kind of your guys's journey um, through all of that. Yeah. So I just remember like being so naive and just thinking like, okay, well, now we're married. Like, when do we want to start a family? Like, okay, well, the first time we try, like, I'm going to get pregnant. And then nine months later, we're going to have a baby. Like, I just thought that's that that's how that went. Like, nobody I know ever talked about anything other than that. So, right. you know, like, Neil and I were on vacation. It's a year later. We're, like, so excited. <laughs> and, you know, like, we start trying and then that month I'm like, okay, here's my period. This sucks. And then I was like, okay, no, no, no. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to do a bunch of research. I'm going to find out everything I can. And I'm going to like figure out everything about my cycle that I can. And I just like went into this rabbit hole of how to make a baby. And it was ovulation sticks and when you should take a pregnancy test and which pregnancy tests are the best and blah, 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 blah. And so I started like tracking my cycle, like really looking into it, really being aware of my body. And, you know, we kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. And then like a year later, I was like, okay, so that isn't working. Let's go talk to my doctor. So I go to my OB and I'm like, hey, so my husband and I want to make a baby. And he was like, well, sex usually works. <laughs> <laughs> wow like, thank you for that sound yeah. advice I was like oh okay well like we kind of been trying that 
<laughs> we've been there. We've been doing that. Believe me. Yeah. I'm like, no, we've been doing that for like 14 years. So, um, and then he's like, okay, well, you know, like, how long have you guys been trying? And I said, it had been a year. And he said, okay, well, are you tracking? And I'm like, dude, I started tracking after one month. I was like, this is crazy. Right. And then, so then he sent me to a specialist and I went there and, oh my God, I learned more about a woman's body than I ever thought I would know. I'm sure, I literally cannot even imagine. I mean, there are so many things that I learned even just through going through my pregnancy that I was like, really? That's You're how like, that works? Right? Yeah. And I mean, like, I watch these videos on TikTok where these, like, people, women ask these men, like, how many tampons does a woman, woman use oh my, in yes. a week? And he's like, one? Or like, <laughs> or like, I don't know, 40? And it's like, oh. these people know nothing. And I, I, it just boggles my mind. Yes, it is insane. So you went to the specialist. And at this point, how long had you guys been trying when you saw the specialist? Um, 15 months. Okay. And so then just over a year. Okay. And then what did the specialist, like, what was their recommendation or what was kind of the process? Like once you were, you know, really focusing with someone who is like specialized in infertility itself. So you go to the doctor and they find out what cycle day you're on. And, you know, based on what cycle day they, that you're on, they can either you know, wait a couple of days and write a script for some blood work. So blood work you want to do on certain days of your cycle. Um, like day three through seven is when you want to get your, you okay. know, hormone levels checked. Okay. So I happen to be falling in that range during that time. So he sent me right to the lab and had me go get labs done. And they drew like 10 vials of blood. I oh. swear. It was so much. <laughs> and then after that, he's like, well, since you're here, you know, like we might as well get you in for an ultrasound, um, what they call a saline sonogram. So okay. they actually take a catheter and put it through your cervix into your uterus with an ultrasound wand also in your vagina. Sounds and, like a blast. Oh, it's a good old time. <laughs> and then they put water through the catheter, and then you see that water on the ultrasound. So it shows you the shape of your uterus. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I so mean, they do doesn't that. Sound, doesn't sound pleasant, but. <laughs> Not a great time, but really, <laughs> it wasn't so bad. Okay. Um. So they do that. That takes about 10 minutes. And uh, I mean, you're a little crampy. You know, they give you like a pad to put on because you're a little leaky that day. <laughs> you know, makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Um, I hope you gave like a real good trigger warning. I yeah. mean, like, we're gonna yeah. be this talking about warning is gonna be heavy. all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting in there. Cervical mucus. <laughs> we're gonna be talking oh, ultrasound. Gosh. Every single guy just immediately like turned off this. <laughs> They're like, yep, this one's, this one's not for me. It's yep. we're gonna pass on that one. That's okay. Keep scrolling, man. Keep scrolling. <laughs> or listen, you know. Yeah. Hey, I think it's it super could be important. really great. I think it is very important for men to understand this process because it is. 
it's a lot. Like it's a lot on your body to get pregnant anyway, but to then on top of that, have issues with that. And then to have to do all of these extra steps and all of these things is just, it's well, a lot. I think a lot of time men think that infertility is like a woman's thing. That's true. It's not always a, the, the it, issue. It's about 50-50 to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, to think of as a woman, we think of how a man must feel if his body is incapable of making a child, but you don't flip it around and think how that must make the woman feel. Oh, absolutely. You know, like it's got to feel the same tenfold. Yeah. I mean, like men and women alike feel like their body is failing and it can't do what it's made to do. And that's a lot to take in, especially if you don't have a partner that's, you know, open and right. willing to support you and go to those appointments and listen to what the doctors are saying and all that stuff. Absolutely. I think so, for me, it was really important to have, you know, Neil by my side. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So when you started doing all this testing, did they find any, if it's not too much, you know, not too invasive to ask, did they find what your guys's, um, like, the hangup was what the issue I don't want to say the word issue I mean not that there's something wrong with either of you (laughs) so like the worst part is when they're like hey all your testing looks great oh and that's what happened to us they were like Neil you have no problems hang this up on the fridge like get yourself (laughs) an ice cream you should be proud (laughs) and he did he hung it on the fridge for a month of course he did of course he did naturally Yeah. And for me, I mean, all of my levels looked great. You know, they check your thyroid, they check, you know, um, what's called your AMH, which can give them kind of an idea of your um, ovarian reserve. So like how many eggs your body has left. Okay. Which is kind of crazy. Also just some hormones, your thyroid, if I didn't already say that, and just a couple other things. Yeah. Um, Everything came back totally normal. My ultrasound came back normal. My uterus looked fine. It's just like, it's so frustrating. It's got to be so frustrating because you're like, okay, if everything lines up, it's like science, you know, it literally is science. Like, okay, everything's good. Nope. You ovulate. Yeah. He, you know, is obviously producing sperm, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're having, I mean, my cycles were every 28 days on the dot for three or four days and then 28 days. I mean, like it was like so so accurate. Right. So then you really start like digging in, you know, like, okay, am I ovulating? Do I feel like I'm ovulating? What day am I supposed to ovulate? Do people feel that? So then I start like, and I have nobody to talk to about this because none of my friends at this time are trying to have a baby that I know of. I don't I mean, at this point, I don't even think many of my fr- close, like close friends were married yet. Right. Right. So that's even more isolating. You're like, okay, I'm not, no one else in my life is at this point of their really? life. <laughs> and so really? I don't have anyone to talk to. And then it's, it's not the same. I, I can imagine that it wouldn't be the same talking to the doctors because that's such a clinical environment. Right. I mean, like it's, you are very much a patient. Right. I mean, as much as you are like, at least I felt like at my fertility clinic, my doctor really made me feel like he cared about me and he cared about my husband and he cared about us creating a family and like he wanted to help us. And like, 
I didn't feel like I was just another cycle that he was going to get money from. Right. You know, like I felt really like he cared about me and he wanted to help me start a family. And I thought that putting my trust in him a hundred percent was what I had to do to make that happen. Yeah. So how long did you guys work with him before you decided that you were going to try and do IVF instead? So for us, IVF was like so far out of the realm of things that was even possible for us that we were like, okay, no, I mean, like we're going to go to the doctor and he's going to like time everything and do this blood work and we're going to find out what's wrong and blah, blah, blah. Then he says, everything's okay. But then they say, well, here's some medications you can do to boost your ovulation. And, you know, we can do ultrasounds to track how many eggs you have during a cycle. I mean, like they can do everything. So for six months, we tried this medication called um, Famara, which helps you create more eggs. Okay. And they do an ultrasound before you ovulate and they tell you, okay, well, you have you know, one egg on your left ovary. So, you know, you're going to ovulate from your left side, blah, blah, blah. Or you have two eggs on your right ovary. And, you know, so they tell you all this stuff. And then they give you a shot in your butt. And that tells your body. Another glorious part. Yes. That tells your body to release the egg. And then the doctor tells you, okay, now have sex with your husband this day, this day, and this day. It sucks because it's something like I have, I can't, I don't have personally do not have any experience with this. And so for me, like just as an outsider, it just, it makes me just realize like, it's crazy that people just get pregnant spontaneously (laughs) because like, it really is so it difficult. Can, it can be so difficult. And like, right. or think, it can just be so like, there are other people that I know that like, they got off birth control and they were like, okay, well, you know, we'll start trying in six months once my birth controls run out and a month later she's pregnant. Right. And right. then, and I'm like, so excited for her. Right. But, like, oh, of course. Like, it's just a different kind of hurt every time yeah oh i I can't imagine so back up really quick so you finally decide that you're going to do ivf okay Okay. can you just kind of talk through that process a little bit because i do think for people like you said it was never in your realm of thought you were just like oh no we're not even we can't do that we're not going to be those people that have to do that you know whatever yeah no like we're going to go to the doctor and a couple months later, I mean, just like I thought before, it's just going to work. Right. Right. So, you know, we try with the doctor for six months and then he says, okay, that's not working. Let's try something else. So then I feel like you've heard of um, like artificial insemination. Yes. So the doctors now call it IUI intrauterine insemination. Okay. So you go to the doctor's office, your husband does his thing on his own, and then he turns that into the the office and they spin it and make sure it looks good. And then you come in a couple hours later and they put a catheter into your cervix again, up into your uterus, and they, you know, push all the best sperm right in there. And 
they hope that it makes it to an egg. And then and for us, it didn't. Ugh. So when you do that, that's just like outpatient. Like you just go in, do it and leave. Yep. Okay. So, yep. Neil goes in, does his thing. We go out, we have lunch. You know, <laughs> two hours later, I go back in, I do my thing. You sit in there. You literally sit in the room for 15 minutes with your legs in the air. It's just okay. I was going to ask you this because what movie? There's a movie where this happens. And I'm like, is that real? Like, is that an actual thing that they do? Real. (laughs) Okay. I'm so glad to know that now because I've always been like, oh, that can't be real. But hey. Yeah. No, that's real life. Okay. Cool. So um, we did that a couple times. That didn't work for us. Um. Well, it did. Our second one worked and I got pregnant and, um, you know, I'm so excited. I get my very first two lines on a pregnancy test Mm. and I'm so excited. And I go into the doctor and I get my blood drawn and they're like, yeah, you're pregnant, but we're going to do another one because your number just seems a little low. Okay, cool. So I go back in and they're like, oh, no, you know what? It looks good we'll see you back in, you know, like four weeks for an ultrasound. And I'm like, okay, I don't know any better. You know, sounds good. So then I'm like sitting at home a week later, Neil and I take my very first like belly pick. I'm like five weeks pregnant, baby's the size of a poppy seed, you know, just like so exciting, just glowing. I'm sitting on the couch, six weeks pregnant. And I'm like, man, I am crampy. I'm like, you know what? It's not too bad. I'm like Googling it. I'm like, how crampy until you have to be worried. Oh, gosh, Google. And yeah, right. And they're like, well, if it's not as bad as your period cramps, then don't worry about it. It's probably just, you know, the baby snuggling in. And I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting on the couch. It's like 8 p.m. It's like 9 p.m. It's like 10 p.m. I'm like, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to sleep this off. I'm like, this is like, ugh, I don't just don't feel good. Yeah. Go up to bed, and I'm like, okay, it's just, like, constantly getting worse. I'm, like, trying to go to sleep, like, sleep through it. I don't want to go to the emergency room because, thanks to American Healthcare, that cost me a lot of money. Yeah. So, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to wait wait it out. I can wait till like, 8 a.m., and I'll, I'll call my OB, and I'll go, like, right into the OB. It's, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I wake up Neil, and I'm like, hey, I'm like, I can't wait it out. I'm like... I, we need to just pay the money. I'm going to the emergency room. And he's like, okay, let's go. I like can't even roll over in bed. I'm in so mm-hmm. much pain. He like basically has to carry me down the stairs, get me in the car. And then I'm like asking him to book it to the emergency room. I'm right. like, it just hurts so bad. Like this can't be, I'm like, I think I have appendicitis. Like I think my appendix burst. I'm like, there's, no way there's anything wrong. I'm not bleeding, nothing. Right. So we go in and I'm like, hey, I'm six weeks pregnant today and I'm just in a lot of pain and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. Like, I feel like maybe my appendix burst, like this is where it hurts. They're like, okay, you know, we'll get you in for an ultrasound. And I go into the emergency room and they sit me down and they're going to take my blood just to make sure that I'm really pregnant and they want to check my you know, my beta numbers and all this stuff. And they take my blood and I pass out. Oh, and gosh. then I like wake up and the doc- there's like two doctors around and they're like picking me up off the floor. 
and I'm sitting down and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm like, oh wait, nope. I'm going to pass out again. So I like, feel my head drop and I pass out and I wake up and there's four doctors, six nurses and a gurney. And my husband's face is bright red. Oh, and he's no. like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. So I like get up. They're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to admit you. Like you're going in, we're going to go get some ultrasounds. We're going to do whatever. I'm like, okay. So I get on the gurney and they're pushing me back. And my husband is just like in my face and he's like all flushed and he just looks so freaked out. And I'm like, are you okay? Like your face is so red. <laughs> this is like the, you know, you have to almost laugh because this is the epitome of like most relationships. Like the girl is like falling apart. Right. Like something serious. And then the guy is like physically totally fine but emotionally is having a straight up panic attack and needs needs more help than she does so i'm like laying in a gurney they're pushing me back there's like a ton of doctors and nurses and i'm like are you okay and he's like yeah i didn't want to tell you but like you didn't just pass out you just had two seizures (gasps) oh my gosh i didn't okay this is all i have not heard this part of the story (laughs) yeah, yeah it's crazy. Like, I was like, what? I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah, that's why I'm so freaked out. And I'm like, babe, I'm fine. I'm like, it's cool. I'm like trying to like keep him calm. Right. And, oh my uh, God. Yeah, that so is then, you know, crazy. I'm like still in pain. And it's not like that. It goes kind of like on and off. And then I got wheeled back for ultrasound. And Neil's like, well, can I come in? And they're like, no, this is the emergency room. You can't come in. And he's like, well, we're about to see my baby for the first time. So, like, it'd be real cool if I could, like, be in there to support my wife. And they were like, no, absolutely not. What? It's just emergency room rules. Hmm. Well, and I mean, let's break those rules. Yeah. I'm like, I get it. But whatever. So they take me in for ultrasounds and they do a belly ultrasound and a transvaginal ultrasound. And then like there's signs all over inside that says like your ultrasound tech can't tell you anything. Like don't ask questions. They can't answer any questions. So it's whatever, you know, he like hides the screen from me, blah, blah, blah. They do their thing. I wait three hours before they give me any pain medication and the doctor comes in and he goes, so we think it's an ectopic pregnancy, but there is so much internal bleeding that we cannot do anything. Oh, my gosh. And they throw a hospital gown at Neil and they say, get your wife ready. She's going into a surgery in like two minutes. Oh, my God. Where is this hospital? Mexico? What is going right? on? That is ridiculous. For my, so I went in at. Four o'clock in the morning. This is nine o'clock in the morning. They're like, we're taking her back to surgery. And I'm like, okay, well, like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, we need you to sign this form because we can't see anything. We don't really know what's going to happen. You need to sign away all of your reproductive organs. Basically, like, we want to save your life. Right. So, like, you need to sign this waiver. And I was just like okay like yeah I don't want to die so I sign this waiver I go back into surgery I wake up 
and Neil's there and the doctor's like, hi, how are you? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. What do I got going on? And they're like, well, it was an ectopic pregnancy and it was in your left tube. So we had to remove that tube, but you still have your ovary. So to me, I'm like devastated. Right. But well, also, that's why like, I'm just like sitting here thinking like, it's crazy. And I understand, you know, healthcare professionals, their job is to be very clear in what, you know what I mean? In, in yeah. the, the medical procedure and the medical side of things. But right. I, it's just so sad to me that there just seems to be like no humanity sometimes. And I'm not putting a blanket statement on everyone because I know that's not true. But right. that it's like, this is what is clearly going to be an emotional conversation, no matter right. what, no matter if like you took organs out of my body, like that's a right. big deal. And to act as if it's just like, okay, so this is what we did yeah. uh, is just kind of mind blowing. Like that's really overwhelming. I can't the even imagine. The situation was very eye opening oh, to healthcare sure. and emergency rooms and I mean, after surgery, the doctor tells me, like, I'm really glad that you came in when you did because you had so much internal bleeding that we almost had to give you a transfusion. And had you waited two more hours, you would not be alive right now. Oh, my gosh, Caitlin. That is that's insane. Like, and that's crazy to think about. Girl, my story gets crazier after that. All right, I'm ready. So I have this hit me with your best shot. (laughs) So I have this surgery and I have to go in to get my blood drawn every three days to make sure that my beta numbers, my pregnancy numbers are dropping correctly because basically your period's going to start when it hits zero. So, you know, it was 1800 on the day of my surgery and now I have to test get my blood drawn every three days until it hits zero. So I go in and I'm going in every three days. The lab people know me by name. I'm always the first one in line at 6 a.m. at the lab. And I get my results on my phone a couple hours later. It's going down. It's going down. It's going down. And I'm excited for it to go down because when it goes down, I can start trying to have another baby again. Right. So, like, that's all I care about. I mean, I am, like, one-track mind. Right. So every three days I'm going in. And then, like, I don't know, nine days later, my beta starts going up again. Okay. That's strange. So the doctor calls me, and he's like, hey, I noticed that your beta numbers are going back up. So we need you to come in. This is what we think happened. And I'm like, okay, what? He said... So when we were doing your surgery, there was so much internal bleeding, we had a really hard time seeing what was going on. So, you know, you hope that you get everything out, but you don't know. So what happened was during my surgery, some of the placenta got left behind and reattached to the outside of my uterus and started to continue to grow. So really fast, just for anyone that maybe would not completely understand, we probably should have cleared this up. An ectopic pregnancy is when the egg ends up being 
fertilized is that even yeah. a, is that, that the right correct. word um in your fallopian tube correct yep okay so basically obviously that is not a viable pregnancy and so correct. what ended up happening is it probably i'm guessing i don't know what the word is i so mean it, it ruptures your ruptured. fallopian tube yes. so it ruptures your your tube which is what caused the internal bleeding and so then your placenta then attaches to your uterus because they did not clear it all out Correct. Holy so, moly. So this is like a Grey's Anatomy episode. Dude, I'm telling you, it's insane. So they're like, well, now you have to go get this injection, which is called methotrexate, which you hear ads for on TV for people with rheumatoid arthritis, but it's also like a a chemo drug. So they give you like a shot of this to stop the production of these cells from growing. Okay. Okay. So instead of so, like going in and removing anything further, they're yeah, hoping so like you going would back like... in for surgery. Okay. They say, well, we're going to try this and then hope that that, you know, kills those leftover cells that are growing. And it worked. So, you know, I have to go back in every three days, get my betas drawn. So then it, my betas hit zero and I right. get my period again. And I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to start trying again. So and really so, fast. So yeah. this whole time, Obviously, that's just kind of like a whirlwind. Like, that's a lot going on. That's a lot of, like, trauma and a lot of, like, really intense situations. Were you, like, thinking about or grieving that pregnancy at all? Or were you, like, so overwhelmed by everything that you weren't even really, like, there yet? I think it was just so overwhelming that... um like everything, like you said, everything happens so fast. Like, I mean, I found out that I was pregnant. We instantly went over to my in-laws house and told them, told a couple of friends, my coworkers all know. And then one Monday I don't show up to work and I tell Neil, I'm like, Neil, you got to text my coworkers and let them know, like, I'm not going to be in. Right. So now Neil has this, he's grieving the loss of our you know, first pregnancy. And he's got to call my dad and tell my dad like, Hey, Caitlin was pregnant, but she's not anymore. You didn't know that she was pregnant because we hadn't Mm. told you yet, but I should probably call you and tell your dad was in surgery. Oh God. What a horrible. Right. And he's got a call. So he had to call my dad. He had to call my coworkers and say, Hey, Caitlin was rushed into emergency surgery for an ectopic pregnancy. So then he's got to tell all my coworkers, like, yeah, we lost this baby. I mean, it was just like so emotional. I lost a fallopian tube. I have three incisions on my stomach. I mean, like. Just a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, this is full blown craziness happening on a random Sunday night. Man, I literally can't imagine I cannot imagine. So how long, how long did you kind of have to heal before, like you said, you were kind of just like waiting. You're like, okay, it's like one track mind. Like I'm, I'm going to do this. We're going to try again. Yeah. So you, after that methotrexate shot, you have to wait three cycles. Okay. So during those three cycles, you can have sex that just has to be protected. Right. So basically just didn't have sex for three months. (laughs) Yeah. Fair. Totally fair. Yeah, I was like, uh, I think I'm going to take a rest. Um, so then we went to a new 
um, fertility specialist. We went and started fresh with a new doctor. My other doctor had actually retired and just a whole thing. I just wanted a whole change of pace. Yeah. So we go to a new doctor and this is the doctor that I'm telling you, you have to like put all your trust into them. Um, We went in and he said, okay, you can try for six months and it's really like trying for three because you only have one fallopian tube. Right. Um, You can try IUIs again. It worked. It's worth a try. But if you do these medications and your eggs are all on your left side, but your fallopian tubes on the right, then you just wasted all that money on medication. Oh. He goes, or we can do IVF. And I said, I want to do IVF. Like, I don't want to go through another loss. I don't want to, you know, try again for months and months and months. Like, right. At this point, I wanted a baby two years ago. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this has been a, it's been a process. This has been going on. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm at this point, I'm like, I'm ready. And Neil and I talked about it and we decided like, you know what, we're just going to go for it. We're going to you know, do what we can. And uh, we were lucky enough to um, his parents were able to help us pay for our IVF. That's amazing. Cause it is, I mean, it's so expensive. So in the state of Michigan, if you go to the, I won't use any doctor's names, just yeah. To be politically corrupted. Yes. If you go to one of the most popular doctors in Michigan for one IVF cycle, you're looking at $30,000. Um, it's like, that is insanity. And I will remind you that IVF is never a guarantee. Right. So you could be doing this and then it doesn't work. Right. So Neil and I are, are like, okay, you know, we're going to figure out how we can pay for it. Like I said, my in-laws um, offered to help us pay for it. My dad offered to help us pay for it. We got help. Uh, we went for it. I was also lucky enough. I had joined a support group on Facebook, um, to, of Michigan women that were going through infertility and wanted people to talk to. So I ended up making a couple of really close friends online and it sounds weird, but I mean, like, as an adult, it's hard to make adult friends. Absolutely. So getting to know these women that you can relate to, that are around your age, some of them go to the same doctor that you go to. I mean, like, it's so special to meet these people. I mean, you're all struggling, feeling the same feelings. It's really something that nobody else can really understand until they go through it. Right. Yeah, it's not something that you know, anyone can just, yes, they can be there and be supported, absolutely, you know, for sure. But, but like actually knowing and understanding the emotional side of it, the financial side of it, it's Mm -hmm. not something that you can fully grasp. I don't think until you're actively having to do it. So I'm so glad that those even exist. That's one of the beauties of social media is like bringing people together. I didn't even know it was a thing. And now I help run that group. Oh, I mean, so like, cool. it's, it's totally come full circle. And again, we'll get there at the end. But I mean, going into the waiting rooms at these doctor's offices are 
depressing and sad. And luckily it's not your normal OB. So you're not seeing pregnant women everywhere. Oh, you're seeing other women with tears in their eyes walking out. Right. And waiting in the waiting room with hopeful eyes. And, you know, you see them walk in and you see them walk out and, you know, you know what they're going through. And if, if I was lucky, I saw someone that I knew there. And instead of talking about what we were doing there, we could, you know, BS about something else. Right. You just, know? Act, so, just have like a normal conversation that's not surrounding right. that painful and, you know, traumatic experience. Traumatic experience. Right. Exactly. So, so you, yeah, keep going. We decided that we we're going to do IVF and um, the support group that I'm par- that I'm part of. Um, women that have been through IVF are in the group, obviously, and they have um, leftover medications that are really, really expensive. I mean, insurance doesn't cover this stuff. Right. And if I paid out of pocket for all of the medications that I did, it was $5,000 just for medications for one right. month. That's... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So for one cycle, you're paying anywhere from ten to thirty thousand dollars. Then you add an extra five k on there for medications. I was lucky enough to have all of my medications donated to me. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. That is so cool. from women that have gone through what I was going through and held my hand along the way, and. I kept, I bought a notebook and I kept track of everybody that gave me medication so I could send them a thank you card and Christmas cards every year. And I do do it, by the way. Oh, I love um, that. And one person, her name's Sarah, gave me what's called a trigger shot, which is what releases your eggs before your IVF retrieval. We'll get into all of that again. Yeah. Um, but so I meet all these people in the support group and... They help me. They tell me where exactly on my butt cheek am I supposed to put this (laughs) shot in? I mean, like, literally, they send you links to YouTube videos of how to mix up your manicure, blah, blah, blah. I mean, these people are so nice, and they're commenting on their own time and answering your stupid questions about whatever. And, hey, I felt like this. Is this normal? Like, oh, my gosh, I'm having hot flashes. (laughs) Right. Um, Just, like, it's it's a way to, like, kind of calm your mind yeah. without, you know, feeling weird asking. It, Cause I think it makes it a little easier too, like on social media, like to, to ask yeah. something like that rather than like face to face, like, Hey, so this I mean, weird like, thing is happening. I love if you say it like to kind of like hide behind your keyboard. Right. You but know, and in this like, way it's helpful. Hey. Yeah, exactly. Like, is this normal for, you know, I mean, like, even when I was pregnant, I don't know about you, but I was like, is it normal for me to feel like my uterus is about to fall out? Oh, like, yes. Oh, girl, that's just lightning crotch. And you're <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the things you learn, man. It's, yeah. it's a lot. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, oh, my gosh. Neil and I go through IVF. We make our payment day one. You go in, and I was lucky enough, my husband was at every single appointment with me, and it's not just a couple appointments. It's every three days, 
for two weeks and we had an hour drive to and from our fertility clinic and we had to be there before work hours so we were like up at 5 45 getting in the car I had to do a shot in the parking lot of the car oh my god (laughs) before my appointment to go in and get my ultrasound so our IVF cycle actually went really well for at the beginning um we had a plan our plan was to um do our egg retrieval, have our eggs fertilized, and then you can freeze them and send them off for testing. So we were going to send our embryos off for testing and then let my body heal. And then we had a trip to France planned. And then when we got back from France, we would do the um, IVF transfer. And then, you know, I'd get pregnant. Right. So we are doing the beginning of the IVF cycle. I'm doing all my medications. I'm doing four shots a day in my stomach. And, you know, then I go in and they check for how many eggs you have. And my first appointment, the doctor says, okay, so, you know, you don't have a ton of eggs yet, but, you know, we'll just keep going. I just, I don't know if you're going to be able to test your embryos. It, It depends on how many you have. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't really sound like great news, but it doesn't right. sound terrible. So then, you know, keep doing medicine, keep doing medicine, keep doing medicine. And then they're like, okay, well, I think we're going to have you come in for your egg retrieval. And I'm like, okay. And then the doctor calls me back two hours later and he's like, no, never mind. We're going to have you keep doing your medications for a couple more days. We want to see if we can really get a couple more. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> So then at this point, you're going into the doctor every single morning for them to check. Like the doctor's like, just waiting. Okay, one more day of medication and then we'll do the egg retrieval. Okay, one more day and then we'll do it. It's so so tedious. Seriously, average IVF cycle is nine days of stimulation medications. And I did 13. Oh. And... um. Was that mostly, was that mostly because they were concerned because of the only having the one, um, the tube doesn't really matter with IVF, your tubes, you can have no tubes and do IVF. You could could have your tubes tied and still do IVF. Oh, see all these things that I just wouldn't know. Okay. So, um, they get the eggs from your ovaries. So I still have two ovaries. Right. Right. So. Um, they got eight eggs out of both of my ovaries. So eight total of those eight, seven of them are called mature eggs, which means they're able to be fertilized. Um, those seven, all of them fertilized properly. So I went from eight to seven, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, after that, they said, Basically, you'll hear from us when we freeze them because they biopsy them and freeze them to send them away. And they call me on like two or three days later and they're like, hey, um, it's not looking great. We have one egg that looks like it's going to be ready for transfer tomorrow, maybe two. So we definitely want you to come in for transfer. We don't want you to wait and freeze your eggs and, and biopsy them. 
Like you just don't have that many. They're not looking good. We're just going to have you come in. Holy moly. So you're so, like, I could be maybe pregnant tomorrow. Yeah. So, and I always wanted to transfer two embryos. Okay. They tell you at the beginning, you have, if you transfer one embryo, you have a 50% chance of getting pregnant. Okay. If you transfer two embryos, you have a 70% chance of getting pregnant and a 30% chance that you get pregnant with twins. So I'm like, okay, no, I definitely want better odds. I'm, I can only afford to do this one time. Right. 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 So I'm going to go like, I'm going to, I'm going all the way. Like I'm doing two. Yeah. So they're like, well, you have maybe one embryo that we can put in tomorrow. And I'm like, devastated. I'm not even thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to be pregnant tomorrow. I'm thinking, oh my God, I only have one possible out of eight. Right. So, I mean, like, it's hard to be, yeah, it's hard to be like super positive when Yeah, I'm grieving at that point. Right. I mean, I'm like, devastated. So we go in the next morning and change of plans. They're like, Hey, you know what? Looks like your embryos just needed another day. We've got three that are available. And then we've got a couple more that we're going to look at. So do you want to transfer one or two? And I was like, I want to transfer two. And they tell you, you know, it's your money. It's your body. Transferring two, there's risks. You know, twin pregnancies, you know, are way harder on your body. Preeclampsia you know, premature babies, blah, 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 like all these warnings. And I look at Neil and Neil looks at me and he's like, it's up to you. And I was like, two would be great. (laughs) Let's just go for it. Yeah. And, um, the doctor's like, okay, we, you know, we'll do it. And the transfer is one of the coolest things I've ever done because you're there in like a sterile environment and like, your hair is in one of those hair nets and your husband's got like a beard cover on <laughs> and it's so romantic. And, and there's a doctor in scrubs. It's basically like giving birth, but yeah, right. Getting pregnant. And a uh, fun fact, a pregnant woman impregnated me. Nah. Yes. So my doctor was eight months pregnant when oh she my did gosh. my transfer. That is so crazy. So okay. that is a fun fact. Yeah. Not well, many people could probably say that. Well, my husband was holding my hand. <laughs> so romantic. Actually, it's funny. I looked over at him and I got just like tears running down my face. I'm a very emotional person. And I said, you know, I thought that skydiving was one of the coolest things that I would ever do. But this is so much cooler. <laughs> hey, it makes for a really great story. It really does. And we both like just really soaked in the moment and just enjoyed it. You know, like. <laughs> They show you the ultrasound screen and they're like, okay, do you see this? This is the little catheter going in. And then, you know, bloop, we put the liquid in the embryo in there. There's a little white mark right there. You see that tiny, tiny, tiny little white dot? That's that's the embryo. And, you know, you get to take a picture of your embryo home and a picture of the ultrasound home that shows the tiny, tiny, tiny little white speck. And, you know, then you just act like you're pregnant. Right. So then after that, you... Just wait. So after and that, see if it takes, right? Yep. So they um, have you go in 14 days later to get a 
pregnancy blood test. Okay. But if you're like me, you start taste testing with pregnancy tests two days after your transfer. Because <laughs> you're just like, I'm I just, ready. I'm I a, had I, to know. I needed in. to know. So um, I started testing right away. I knew four days later that I was pregnant. So, so what, how did you feel seeing the pregnancy test this time I after was, experiencing what you had last time? I was so excited. I didn't let myself get scared. Yeah. I actually, um, for someone that went through some really, really shitty things, like, I just, like, I try and stay as positive as I possibly can. Yeah. And I definitely know that of you too. And I yeah. think like you're so, you're just naturally going to be a glass half full person. And I so am. you see the best in every situation. You try to bring the best to every situation. So not yeah. to, you know, and I, I want to just say this again, I have not experienced these things, but if you have had an experience like this, that is not how you know, Caitlin's explaining it, that is okay. <laughs> that right. This is everybody this feels is, different. Yeah. And this is her, this is her experience and her um, story. So just need to put that out there because right. I don't want anyone to think like, you know, we are playing lightly of some of this like very heavy topic um, right. because we're definitely not, but it is just naturally your personality to, yeah, to I just am, be upbeat. I'm the biggest cheerleader I can be. I mean, like, I want, I want to be positive myself. I try to help other people be positive. So when I got the positive pregnancy pregnancy test, I was so excited. I mean, I cried. I fell to the ground crying the happiest tears, and. I thought that I would be waiting for like the bad news, you know? Um, so I get my positive pregnancy tests and then I have to wait to get my blood work well, done. Yeah. Cause you know, you can get false positives and all that stuff. Right. So, you know, until you see that number, you don't know. So I go in, you know, 14 days, whatever later. And I get my blood work done and sure enough, I'm the doctor calls and says, Caitlin, you're pregnant. And I'm like, yay. And they said, okay, well, um, in 18 days, we'll have you come in for an ultrasound. And I'm like, 18 more days. <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I go to work and I make a paper chain, one of those little paper chains, oh, you know, where you can rip yeah. one off every day. So I made one of those with blue paper and pink paper. And I was like, I am gonna like just rip one of these. Like I need something to make me happy. So I ripped one off every day. And finally we go in for the ultrasound and Neil and I go into the room and the nurse, you know, uh, puts the ultrasound sound wand wherever. And I look up on the screen and I go, there's two it's twins and she goes it is you're right and I'm like I didn't cry I thought I was instantly gonna start sobbing I just was like it's twins yep I knew it Uh (laughs) so matter of fact yep I was like there it is 
Yep. Oh, my and, gosh. I mean, you can see them, like, both wiggling. Yeah. You see the little heart flutters, you know. So, it's really – I don't think that I'm the norm of infertility. Again, I tried to stay as positive as I could. I was really good about staying positive through my whole pregnancy, which I know also is really scary for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I was just going to ask. Like, did you guys – so it's funny. So when you guys ended up going on your trip, right? You went to France. Yes. And I remember you guys posted some pictures and whatnot. And mind you, this is like, not like she was showing by any means. I was nine weeks pregnant. Right. So yeah. I remember looking at the pictures and we were going to see you like what, like a couple months later or a month or yeah. two later? Um, like a month and a like half a later. Month, yeah, like a month and a half later, whatever. Yeah. So I remember looking at the pictures and just thinking to myself, like, I think Caitlin's pregnant. And I mm-hmm. just like had this like weird thought, but I was like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to be that person, whatever. Right. And then we ended up seeing each other um, at our friend's lake house. And I walk. I remember so clearly, I will never forget this first of all Caitlin is in a red bikini because that is just who she is and she I walk out and Jordan looks at me and I'm like what (laughs) and then you just kind of turn to the side and you have this little this little bump and I was like oh my gosh oh my gosh are you pregnant and you were like yes and you're like and guess what I was like what? <laughs> like, I was like, I thought that was the news. And you're like, it's twins. And oh my gosh, it was like the craziest. I told Jordan, I always tell him, I'm like, I swear I have like some sort of like six, six sense of this kind of thing. So you ended up having, um, a, a good pregnancy, right? I mean, Amazing. You, yeah, the best you, pregnancy ever. You enjoyed being pregnant and loved um, every second of it. I was never sick. I tell people, I mean, so again, I like run this IVF support group now and I tell people every single day that I had high beta numbers. I had high blood work numbers. My numbers, my hormones were raging and I had zero pregnancy symptoms until I was 18 weeks pregnant and I felt flutters for the first time. And that was the only time that I realized, oh my God, I really am pregnant. Right. It's happening. Like it like finally like clicked. Yeah. Yeah. I can actually can really relate to that as well. And I know I've, we've talked about this, but I right. did not think I was pregnant. I, I was like, there's just no way. Like I took most, I took like five tests. I was yeah. like, there's, this is not true. This can't, I, I didn't have one symptom. And the only reason I took a test is because we had been actively trying and I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to take a test this morning, you know? And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I can like totally relate to the the feeling of like, this isn't real. Like just right. feeling like, cause I mean, I genuinely had no symptoms other than my boobs started getting a lot bigger. But besides that, it was like, no, nothing. I, I mean, like I had nothing. I was not sick. I was not nauseous. I was not super tired. I, I felt great. I mean, like, my only symptoms were, like, my skin looks incredible and my hair is silky. Oh, that's, like, the best. My hair has never been better than what Right? I and I'm, like, I love being pregnant. And then um, my birth experience was amazing with the twins. I I told myself that, you know, okay, I get pregnant. I'm pregnant with twins. I'm, like, okay, I want, I want one thing. I want one girl and I want one boy. 
I'm like, okay, got it. And I'm like, okay, I want one skinny baby and I want one chunky baby. And, <laughs> and girl, got I it. got it. <laughs> you really, it's like the power of the mind. Yes. You made things happen. Like you I brought did. them to fru- fruition. Yep. So, oh my gosh. I mean, it just was really great. And um, breastfeeding was a struggle for us, but, you know, we made it happen. I supplemented it first. I mean, twins, breastfeeding twins is a like, whole nother story. I literally, I've told you this a thousand times, but like an actual saint, like a, <laughs> like a saint that deserves a statue in the center of a square because oh, that stop. is, no, I'm dead serious. <laughs> I cannot even fathom. Like I look at pictures of you when you were breastfeeding both babies at the exact same time. And I literally break out in hives. I'm like that. <laughs> makes me so oh, I can't even imagine doing it like oh my gosh. it's You're too funny. honestly insane so anyway so like let's fast forward a little bit um so, so you let's have... fast forward to my twins are a year old yes yes we perfect. have their first birthday in November of 2020 and what a fun year yeah right <laughs> I um, I had COVID. Oh, so I had COVID. I'm weaning my kids off of breastfeeding. And a friend in my IVF group says, Hey, guys, I know, like, you've all been following my story. This girl had done 16 egg retrievals, uh, nine transfers. And none of them were successful Mm. and she had just gone to California for some surgeries to look at her uterus and see what was going on. And she was told that she had too much scar tissue from previous surgeries, from doing IVF so many times, you know, that many egg retrievals is hard for anybody. Right. And they said, you can't carry a baby. Mm. And I said, you know what? I I loved being pregnant. I loved giving birth. I had twins, so I had to give birth in, a, in an OR, which was not exactly what I wanted to do. But I will say you gave naturally on both. I did. I did. Thank you very much. Which uh, is super impressive. Most twins, uh, the average is 17 minutes apart. I think mostly due to them being mostly C-section. Right. My twins were an hour and 31 minutes apart. Which still makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> like, it's so weird to think about that you just, like, push out a baby. And then right. you're just, like, sitting there. And then you just, you still got one inside. Like, I yeah, can't even, like, I cannot fathom that. That, like, is, it's just, the body is an insane. It's, it's crazy. an insane thing. It is. So, anyways, keep going. So, my friend says, I I can't have a baby. And mind you, I had met this woman twice. One time in the waiting room of our doctor's office. And one time she, I went to her house to pick up some medication that she had donated to me. Um, so not like a friend, so to no. speak. It's more like an acquaintance, like someone. Yeah, someone yeah. that I would talk to online, but didn't really... I mean, like I, I felt like I knew her, but did I really know her? Gosh, not literally, not at all. Right. 
And I messaged her and I said, hey, so what does it mean to like be a surrogate? And like, like, what does that mean? And she's like, well, why are you asking? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. I think it's really interesting and something that I'd maybe be interested in. And she was like, wait, what? And I was like, well, let's just talk about it. You know, like no strings attached. Let's just chat. So her and I are talking about it and she's telling me like, well, like these are the rules and blah, blah, blah. Why don't you talk it over with your husband and then like get back to me? And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, hey, Neil, uh, what if I wanted to have a baby for somebody else? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, (laughs) well, we don't want to have another baby, but I want to be pregnant. And he's like, okay, no. And I was like, okay, but so I tell him the whole story. I'm like, you know, Sarah, you met her in the waiting room at the doctor's office. He's like, the blonde? I'm like, yeah, the blonde. <laughs> I go, well, she can't have a baby. And I want to have a baby for her. And he's like, you could never, you are so emotional. You could never give somebody a baby. Like you would be attached to that baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think so. I so think we that talk is about like the biggest that like, assumption and like misconception about it. And I'll be honest, I think I have had those thoughts until you and I have talked about this, like in depth. Yeah. I think I've also had those thoughts, but then hearing, and I'll let you explain it, but hearing how you explain it and how it kind of looked to you, I was like, okay, well, that does make sense. And maybe it's once you've had a baby too. Right. You have a little bit more understanding as well, well, but. And I think knowing that I didn't want to have another baby. For sure. Right. You were like, I'm done. Like I got my boy, I got my girl. I'm good to go. One and done. Yes. So I'm trying to talk Neil into it and he's like, no, no, no. I I don't know. Like you're emotional. I just don't know if it's a good idea. So I kind of drop it for a little while and then I keep bringing it up and then I drop it and then I bring it up. And Sarah is like, okay, like, what's going on here, girl? Like, you're just teasing me. You're like dropping the carrot in front of my face and making me work for it. So she goes, so I talked to my sister-in-law and she, we asked her and she said that she would be our surrogate. And Neil and I were driving to a Tigers game and I started sobbing. (laughs) And he's like, what? And I was like, Sarah's sister-in-law is going to be her surrogate. So I don't even get to do it anymore. And he's like, if it's that important to you, like tell her you can do it. And I'm like, really? Like you seriously mean it? And he's like, if it means that much to you, then yes, you can absolutely do it. Like I'm all in. He's just the best. I know. So I text Sarah. I'm like, Sarah, I know that your sister-in-law said that she'd do it, but like, Neil agreed to it. I'm down. Like, let's get together and meet. And she's like, okay. And so we set up this like Zoom call um, because I've never met her husband. Right. right. You're like, there are other parties involved. Yeah. I mean, like, I know nothing about him. I, I, at that point, I'm not even sure I knew his name. <laughs> to be completely honest. You're like, hi, sir. I'm going to have your baby. Yeah. So we have this Zoom call and they're like, hi, I'm Sarah. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm like, hi, I'm Caitlin. And this is Neil, my husband. And Neil goes, so my first question is, um, are you Republican? 
<laughs> oh my, of course it was. Oh, of yeah, course absolutely. it was. And they just start laughing and it completely broke the ice because oh, they were like, Bless uh, we worked for Bernie Sanders <laughs> and Neil was like, we're in, let's make a baby. <laughs> well okay so we're laughing about this but that is something that i started thinking about because it is yes you are the one carrying you would you know you carry this baby but Mm -hmm. it's not like being pregnant doesn't affect those around you so right it you know it obviously it's a first of all pregnancy is just a risk in general to your health you know it's not just like i mean things go wrong all the time unfortunately Mm -hmm. and it is it's a big deal. And I, I guess I just also had not thought about that part either until I had talked to you and Neil about it. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess he should kind of have a say on that because you know, there's, there's so many things that could go wrong. There's so many things that you can't do while you're pregnant. So, you know, he is then well, especially to... with twin toddlers it, at home. Right. Exactly. I mean, that makes just a whole nother added layer to it for sure. Yeah. So anyways, I just wanted to like really point that out because I myself had not considered that at all. Like I had just thought like, Oh, well the girl carries the baby and she has the baby. And so it's her choice, which obviously, right. You know? Yes. But it is, if you have a partner, if you are a surrogate and you have a partner married or not, have kids you know it is a big undertaking so we talk for an hour and we all four agree like we honestly could be best friends like we are all on the same page here like and I mean you got to talk about some like deep stuff right like you know I mean this is a very intimate topic right I mean like you're getting pregnant for someone else you're putting someone else's DNA in your own body. And then, you know, that baby's a part of your body. And what if, what if it ends up being ectopic? IVF pregnancies can be ectopic. So what are they going to do? Save me or save their baby? Right. You know, or I I mean, so I guess, okay, I have a question. So does that mean, what is that? Like, are you basically signing away your rights to do, or, or is Neil, if something was to go wrong, how does that work? Oh my gosh. You are, you are blowing my mind right now. I had not even considered that. And we'll get more into like the whole Michigan side of it. Yes. Yes. But, um, which I also find super interesting. It's insane. It's basically like just things you have to talk about. Like, Hey, if, you know, I'm 21 weeks pregnant and we have our anatomy scan and you find out that that baby has Down syndrome, like, right. am I, do, do you want to abort that baby? Am I okay with you aborting that baby? Um, do you want to keep it? Uh, oh, who that makes that decision? So heavy. You know, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, there's all these things. Or I start bleeding and I go into whatever and I have to have emergency surgery, like, and the baby's not going to make it. They have to save me. Like we have to decide all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do it in this conversation. Right. With the four of us. Yeah. And you know, like these are all the, so we have all these hard conversations. We talk it all out, everything. And we decide like, yeah, we're all on the same page. Let's move forward. I mean, there's obviously so many other parts to it. 
Right. Um, picking an OBGYN that you both want to use, who's going to come to what appointments. Um, do I allow them in the room during those appointments? Will the doctor allow them in the room during those appointments? What about the birth? Who gets to be in the room during the labor? What about after that? I mean, like, do I want to be a part of the baby's life? Do I not? Right. So do I, I guess, want the baby to know. Let's, let's back up a second. Cause I do want to talk about really quick. Um, and it, we don't have to go too much into detail, but one of the things that I assumed was that, oh, you were getting paid for this because this is obviously like such a gift, first of all, but it is a lot of undertaking for your body, for you emotionally, mentally, physically. Again, you have twin toddlers at home during this. Right. So talk for a quick second about how surrogacy works for us here in Michigan. So in the state of Michigan, surrogacy for compensation is a felony. So if I am a surrogate, I am not allowed to get compensated in any way for what I'm doing. It has to be, now I always say this word wrong, altruistic, altruistic, which means doing it out of the goodness of your heart. Right. Okay. So I don't pay anything out of pocket. Um, Sarah pays for my IVF cycle. She pays for all my medications, my prenatal vitamins, all of my maternity clothes she paid for. Um, these are all expenses that she's allowed to pay for. Right. So anything related to the The pregnancy, pregnancy. but not necessary. like you're not buying a baby. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, like, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm doing it because I want someone to have a family. Did you guys have to, did you guys sign anything? Like, was there paperwork involved, like a contract or were you guys just really like. Because it's illegal in the state of Michigan, contracts are null and void. They mean nothing. So you could fill out a contract and you could sign it, but someone changes their mind and you go to court, that contract means nothing. That is just wild to me. I mean, I under, in some ways I understand the payment part, but I don't understand. I mean, so many other things could potentially go wrong or awry in a situation, which I think is why, you know, you said like you have to fully trust someone. Right. Like, with everything because Sarah had to trust me that I didn't want a baby. I didn't want to steal her baby. And I had to trust Sarah that she was going to take the baby at the end of the day. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, but no matter how that baby came out. Yeah. That like that. I did not want that. I I wasn't taking it home. I didn't have a crib for it. There was no nursery here. Like, and I I mean, I think that, so I think to kind of continue the conversation, but kind of talk about some of the misconceptions of surrogacy is I think some people assume that it's going to be so hard. And I mean, Neil, your husband even assumed like, oh, "Oh, there's no way, there's no way you could do this. Like, it's going to be so hard to give up that baby or you're going to grow too attached to it. Can you kind of like talk through that a little bit? And like, because you explaining it in the way that you explained it to me really like all the time. Like, especially when I was pregnant, 
I, I didn't get into a lot when I was pregnant, like, oh, you're having a baby. I wasn't like, oh, I'm a surrogate for somebody. It was just like, <laughs> yep, I'm going to have this baby and blah, blah, blah. So I think a lot of people think, like, you're that's a baby that you're growing and you right. feel it kick and you feel all of that. And that's so emotional and it's so amazing. And you bond with that baby and then you have to just give it up. And I did not look at it like that at all. To me, that was Sarah's baby. And every time I felt that baby kick, I would send Sarah a text message and say like, oh, baby just kicked. Um, Like, oh, I felt, uh, you know, like her feet are up in my ribs. Can you tell her to get her feet out of my ribs? And, you know, like really trying to make her feel special too. Yeah. Um. But just like that moment of giving birth and being able to hand that baby to her mom was one of the coolest things ever, especially after like getting my baby handed to me for the first time. Right. Like, you knowing know that, how that feels. And you knowing also know I got to do that to somebody else. Right. And you know what it feels like to have. Pain of yeah of not being able to you know of just that ongoing like it's all it's like torture you know like yeah, not being is. able to have something that you want so badly so I think that it's just like oh my gosh it literally makes me like teary-eyed like it is just like such a gift that you gave them and and I know that she has got to feel that way you know her and her husband. So oh, I think yeah. this is the crazy thing that I, we didn't completely touch on. And if you just want to touch on really quick, we won't want to sure. go into too much detail, but so you said yes, but her sister-in-law also said yes. Also said yes. So yeah. <laughs> so we talked about it and she said, you know what? I know that I want two kids. So why not have you both transfer at the same time? So let me just ask really quick without getting too nitty gritty. D- did you guys transfer multiple each transfer multiple embryos? So like, was there a chance that you could both get pregnant with twins? No. Okay. Whew. So as a surrogate, you should only ever transfer one embryo. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Because of a lot of surrogates won't give their bodies that risk right. of being pregnant with twins. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah. So, like, that was something that we talked about at the beginning. Sarah was like, okay, you know, if you're going to transfer, I'm like, I'm only going to transfer one embryo. Yeah. Like, that was just... Uh, and, and again, I don't think that people... Like, I did this for me, too. Like... Right. I didn't get the birth experience that I wanted with my twins because we were forced to give birth in an OR. And because it didn't end in a C-section, it still was in an OR in a setting that... I. I wasn't it's very sterile in love with right so I only wanted to give birth to one baby because I wanted to do it as natural as I could yeah so I mean like I did it a little a little bit for me and I obviously did it a lot for them right right well and I think that's what is so cool too is that like you I think a lot of people and you and I have shared this, that we both had very good pregnancies. We both had good, um, you know, delivery Mm -hmm. scenarios for the most part. And so like, 
for a lot of people, that's not the case. So like the thought of like doing it for someone else and not getting the prize, so to speak, that sounds, you know, for lack of a better term, like they're like, Oh, I could never, you know, but it's people look at me like I'm crazy when I tell them. (laughs) I know. Well, and I think it is so rare. It's not a very common thing. I mean, I have never, I've never known someone who was a surrogate and I've also never known someone who has used a surrogate. So like for me, it was like very like, what you're doing? What? Like, I was just like, so shocked when you told me, I was like, there's no way that's so crazy. Telling family, like, so my husband and I are kind of jokesters. So having fun with it was really fun for us. So, you know, like we're at Thanksgiving dinner and I said like, Hey, Neil and I have an announcement. I just, we wanted to tell everyone that, um, you know, we're done having kids, but I'm pregnant and Neil <laughs> is not the father. And they're looking at us like, what are you, what saying? are you talking about? <laughs> right. It's like the ultimate riddle. They're like, hold on a second. Let me write this down. Right. And I'm like, I'm having a friend. I'm having a baby for a friend. And they're like, I don't understand. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is, that is absolutely hilarious. It that is, is the most you two thing I've ever heard. Like, you know, like I'll do it as long as I can make the joke. And I'm like, ab- every time. <laughs> of course. Gotta get, every gotta time. get that zinger in there. Right. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. Well, so you, um, we'll kind of sort of wrap this up slowly, but, um, you had a good delivery. Everything I had went a great super pregnancy. well. I had a great delivery. Um, I did get COVID at 40 weeks pregnant. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Oh my gosh. But <laughs> not, I not happened, great timing. Ha- happened to give birth 10 days later. Yeah. She really hung in there. Didn't she? Yeah. She was holding on tight, but um, <laughs> our birth experience was beautiful. Um, my mother-in-law was there to support me and rub my back and hold my hand which you and have a very close relationship with your mother. She is definitely my best friend. Yeah. No doubt Which about it. Which is so cool. Yeah. And I left my husband at home to take care of our kids. So that was nice. Um, that was my choice. Uh, he was more than happy to come with me, but I didn't get to have my mother-in-law in the room when I gave birth to the twins. And I thought it would be nice to have her there to support me and Sarah. Yeah. In our kind of fun journey to motherhood together um Sarah and and her husband were in the room correct yes so Sarah actually um got the very first skin to skin with the baby and her husband cut the cord oh that is just the coolest thing yeah so it was and uh we have a couple of pictures they're really cute I know that I've shown them to you yes oh my Um, gosh just you know healthy baby girl Yes, a beautiful baby girl, Sophie. And so you had her, but fun fact, which we kind of skipped over, but sister-in-law also got pregnant. Yes. So the babies are two months and one day apart. Which is so, and she had a boy. Yes. So there's Merrick and Sophie. And they're called Twiblings. (laughs) Hey, that kind of works. I love that. So the siblings are kind of twins, but not. That's so, going to be, they're going to have the greatest story. Like as they grow up, can you even imagine like being, cause so I guess that's my, my maybe kind of like, we'll see if it's my final question, but <laughs> um, 
are Sarah and her husband, I, I mean, are they going to be upfront about that? They so Their plan is to be completely open with their baby. Okay. So okay. their entire lives, they will know that it took a village to make them and to help them grow and to make their family. And so cool. I will be at every one of their birthday parties. And oh, I love that. Um, we have family dinners with their family. We have the kids get together all the time. So we really do have like a great relationship. I think it's really important that, um, we continue to just, you know, like our kids are going to end up being like cousins, you know, just friends and well, and, and obviously a fun the, twins, little story. the twins were really young, you know, or were yeah. younger when you, you know, you got pregnant and stuff. Did they really like understand? Or I know that they've said like Sarah's baby or like yeah, baby Sophie. We just saw baby Sophie last week at a play date. And I said, Ray, do you know who this is? And she goes, that's Miss Sarah. And I'm like, yeah. And I go, do you know who that is? She goes, that's the baby from your belly. <laughs> So, so, yeah, so like she I gets think it. that they do know, especially because we read a lot of books about surrogacy, and there's actually some really good um, content about it that you wouldn't think. But um, oh, just cool. like explaining to children what was going on, I think was really important. Yeah. We, we tried to make it like, like an everyday thing. We read, like, My Mom's a Surrogate, the book, and, yeah. and they knew, like, this was Sarah's baby, and we weren't going to bring a baby home from the hospital, but mommy right. had to go get birth. And right. I can see that being a little confusing potentially yeah, especially you know? for a two-year-old. Like, right. Right. Like they can't grasp that. <laughs> I think that the more we talk about it and the more I show them pictures, the more that they'll remember it in the future. Right. Well, thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I have one final question for you. If you could do anything just for the hell of it, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, I think so. I've always loved to like, whenever I clean, I turn on Beyonce's homecoming and I just like on in like the background. Love that vibe for you. I always think like, you know what? I could totally be a background dancer. Like, <laughs> I could totally do it. Yes. Like, if oh I could just God. go to, like, dance classes and, like, learn choreography, I'm like, I could do it. So my, like, if I could do anything, I would, like, learn how to dance and I would, like, put myself out there and be, I would be on, like, the Super Bowl stage with Rihanna. Oh, gosh. I would love that. That is not at all what I thought you were going to say. So <laughs> this just shocked me to my core. But you could, why don't you just take some dance classes? I love that idea. Just for fun. I I would love to. It's just putting myself out there is slightly terrifying. Absolutely. I understand. I threw up before I posted this podcast, but I did it. So I think you just need to find a hip hop class or whatever type of dance class you want. Yeah. Go out there and just do it just for fun because why not? And hey, you never know. Maybe you become excellent and Rihanna finds you. You never know. You never know. Oh, my goodness. That is so funny. Oh, my gosh. I love that answer. That might be. We'll see. I might have to compile at the very end of (laughs) this season. Everybody's um, for the hell of it. And we might have to do might have to do like a poll and see who's is everyone's favorite, because I think that one might be up there. 
<laughs> it is pretty good. Oh my gosh. So good. Well, thank you again. And yes. I hope to see you and Neil and the twins soon. Oh, I know. Me too. All right. Thanks, friend. Talk to you later. Isn't that story so wild? I love Caitlin's outlook on life. She is always trying to find the positive, even in the darkest moments. And I really admire that. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I just want to say thank you. The support and love I have received so far has been so encouraging and I feel incredibly grateful. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And if you're enjoying the show, rate and review it on whatever platform you listen on. Till next time, friends, go out there and do something today just for the hell of it.